Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. This is NFL in the game. It's our weekly NFL show with a real insider's perspective on the action on the field. I'm Matt Chatham, your host, thrilled to be joined today by FBF writer, former NFL linebacker and Notre Dame alum, Rocky Boyman. What's up, Rock? Hey, doing, Matt? Good to be here, buddy. Glad to uh, actually talk about real football games. Isn't it the best? Uh, and, well, for fans out there that, that don't know, Rock now lives back in the Ohio area and uh, gets to see a lot of Cincinnati kind of stuff. And we're, we're going we're gonna to sort of try to go around the league here as much as we can and hit on sort of the what we learned from this opening weekend kind of deal. But Rocky's at a little bit of an advantage there. I think he sits in a spot where there was plenty of question marks this offseason of what was going to go on with that Cincy group and Marvin Lewis coming back and Andy Dalton – you know, missing out on another playoff win. Uh, what's sort of the feeling there this morning in, in Cincinnati and the reaction to a pretty clean performance out in Oakland? I'll tell you what, Matt, everyone in Cincinnati is feeling really, really good about the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's nothing new to have this level of expectation. Last year was, was a, certainly a high level of expectation when you looked at the roster, especially the offensive weapons heading into the season. It was Tyler Eifert. He's going to be a beast at the tight end position. Marvin Jones is going to be is going to complement AJ Green. And we got this two-headed monster in the backfield with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Well, it kind of got off started off on the wrong foot. Uh, no pun intended. Marvin Jones last year breaks his foot by the second day of training camp. So that number two option is now out. Tyler Eifert eight plays into the first game of last year. Uh, uh, dislocates his elbow. So now, bam, all of a sudden, all these weapons that are around Andy Dalton to help him manage the game and help take the pressure off him aren't there. And I think that made Dalton do things that he's not capable of. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I think Dalton is a very capable quarterback, but he will not be mistaken by me or anybody for Aaron Rodgers or Tony Romo or Tom Brady or any of those guys. He needs, right. he, he, he needs players around him to elevate him. So fast forward to this year, you finally got the first look at the potential of that offense. And I thought because of that, it, I thought it was one of the best I've seen Andy Dalton look. I know statistically he's maybe has had better days, but just in terms of calm and poise and relaxed and just comfortable in the system, you know, hitting, hitting Tyler Ivory, he had a huge day yesterday and, and what seemed like his debut in the NFL. Uh, it's really his third year, but I haven't really seen that much of him because of injury and otherwise. And, and it, the, yeah, they just looked good. I mean, they were on throttled an Oakland team that I spent the entire week talking about, oh, it's a dawn of a new era in Oakland. And they got all these playmakers, <laughs> and Derek Carr's amazing, and Amari Cooper's unbelievable, and Cleo Mack's going to be the defensive player of the year. I, I mean, it was, Matt, it was in the second quarter. I even put it out on Twitter. I said, is Justin Tuck and Cleo Mack even playing in this game? You know, there was no production, right. which again points to how well that offensive line played. So it, it was a total. A, a total, uh, you know, supreme win there for the Bengals yesterday, and I think there's there's a lot of confidence. And of course, people in Cincinnati, it's it, it's it's a hard it's a hard situation here in Cincy because everyone is, you know, it's if they win, it's okay. Well, show me when, tell me when they win in, in prime time, then I'll be impressed. If they lose, it well, they're just the same old Bengals. So it, it's hard in a situation in a city where. Only the postseason matters, and winning that first playoff game in 26 years. 
But uh, it was a great start, and I think uh, Bengals fans should have a lot of uh, a lot of promise for this team. Well, I think that's a fair statement. I I, I know I've, we get lulled to sleep here in New England with a, sort of a similar frame of mind, uh, more so because they've gone through and won, so people aren't interested until it gets done. But yeah, that that and that and that frame of mind is so tough to battle because you know four four players rock, and you, you kind of you kind of get lulled in this idea that like every minute matters <laughs> as a player, regardless of whether you know it's a playoff game or not. But then yeah, I can see that as fans saying. Yeah, you know, don't tell me what you did in September. Tell me about January. But, like, yeah, but we don't get there unless we do this part. You know, that, that right, kind of, that's the thing, yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm going to I'm gonna start here with mine. We're going to do this. This segment's going to be called What Have We Learned? What did we learn? And we're going we're gonna to dive into sort of around the league stuff that, quite frankly, that's kind of what week one's about. It's a lot of – prognostication based on last year's team most of you know maybe a third of which is different on this year's team or stats from again teams that aren't the team that's playing this week and all those kind of goofy things so we you know we look at free agency we look at the draft you you think you know what you got you watch some preseason games where they're not playing any of the offense or defensive calls they're going to run and some of the players aren't playing and then the real game happens. And uh, so what we're going to talk about here now is just uh, what we actually learned yesterday, all the question marks that were out there. For me, I'm going to leave what will be one of the biggest stories, at least in the area where I live, uh, the play of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and I wrote about this today on footballbyfootball.com. I think one of the biggest question marks in the division each and every year in the AFC East is who's going to play quarterback for go ahead and raise them. Jets, Bills, not so much Dolphins anymore, but will that play improve? And I think, again, I, I'm always leery of, of getting too excited. I mean, I lived through J.P. Losman and Rob Johnson and all those kinds of things down there where there were days where, where people's hopes got up. But after reviewing the tape this morning, um, or late last night, I guess, technically, uh, and really looking hard at this guy in his preseason games, I think I'm sold. I, I think I'm sold. And I, I don't know if that's me being foolish, but I really like – that I haven't, I've seen him do just about everything at some point he'll need to do. Now, it's a tiny sample. I get that. I've only seen him do it in a few games. But what was impressive to me is that, you know, there did not seem to be limitations. There's not like, okay, he can make these pattern throws. He can hit the one read fade on the outside. He can hit the quick hitters. He can run some gimmicky scheme stuff in the back and get yards. But he can't do X, Y, and Z. I'm not sure what X, Y, and Z is. It was a really bizarre game playing against the Colts. And again, I know that's your your former team, Rock. So I'll try to try to be uh, friendly with the language. But they were terrible. <laughs> the, 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 the Colts defense looked really bad yesterday. So again, that's the one caveat that that I would allow myself not knowing if it would translate. But still, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a defender near the guy, and you got to make the throw, and it's a beautiful throw at 25 yards on a rope. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think they had pretty poor edge awareness uh, on several occasions where they'd motion in a, a wide receiver to trips or something and crack the end, and the end completely had no clue. And, you know, either either Tyrod or, or uh, Shady McCoy or somebody gets around the edge relatively e- easily. But all that said, you know, if the critiques were, hey, this is just going to be a runaround quarterback and he's just going to try to survive and, and let Rex's defense do its thing and it'll be running game first with LaShawn McCoy, I don't know, at least at first blush, that might not be the case. They, they, he looks like he can do almost everything. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going over the board. I'm not expecting him to be a Pro Bowl quarterback or anything like that, but I don't see limitations where it's like, okay, he needs hard sell play action. He cannot do spread. He cannot just be a, a throw it all the time kind of guy. 
it looks like, at least in a small sample, he was able to do all the things that you would ask of a quarterback. There were times where he hung in the pocket till into, into a second and third read. There were times where he bailed early on the pocket and at one point had a 32-yard run, uh, a scramble that he made several people miss. They did the scheme run stuff. They did uh, they did some uh, boot, some move the pocket, some straight dash. They, it was kind of a weird game, to be honest, Rock. And, and it, knowing that the Patriots are next on the schedule, the tape that they're going to have to go now watch you probably saw saw six, seven, eight elements to now prepare for. Boot, dash, play action, straight drop back, three-step, five, seven, scheme runs, kind of everything. But so for me, that was the, the question answered. A question that was answered that I'm willing to say I'll be wrong on later, but uh, that was my first. Where right, would you well, go? In reaction, I think you're certainly right. He, he did. He showed a lot of things. He showed that he's not just a – run around guy, you know, and they, you know, they had some elements, um, you know, had, had, was, was able to, was capable of dropping back, was capable at dash, getting outside the pocket and, and picked up some yards with his legs. Um, so I, I want to be a believer. I guess the question for me is, you know, how it is Matt. It's, you know, I, I remember when Vince Young came into the league and, and yeah. I'm not, not comparing Tyrod Taylor to Vince Young. I think they're slightly right. different quarterbacks, but Vince Young, tore it up both with his legs and his arm early on. But what happened? After the first, you know, half of the season, especially after the first season, there was game tape of him. And you saw tendencies, and these great defensive coordinators, these great defensive minds, found weaknesses and how to exploit those weaknesses. So I want to believe in Tyrod Taylor. He showed a lot of promise yesterday. I I guess I just want to see a little bit – a little bit more. I want to see when, you know, the Patriots defense and Matt Patricia design some things. Okay, he looks at that tape. I'm sure he's looking at right now as we're speaking. How, do, how can we neutralize this guy? And then can Tyrod Taylor, knowing that the defense is making adjustments, make adjustments himself? That's going to be, that's going to be the, the real answer for me is, is this guy for real. Yeah, that's I mean, that's absolutely fair and, and very realistic, too. You're right. I mean, once once you put that first game on tape and none of it happened in the preseason, I mean, obviously the Colts had an opportunity to prepare and come up with something. I'm not sure what it was, uh, but you're right. Once you now think, OK, here's the thing we absolutely have to take away from this guy. Let's see if he can thrive in the other parts. It's a totally fair statement. And it's also something that I guess in thinking that I'm maybe putting, you know, the getting ahead of myself slightly so is that I had a hard time figuring out what that would be. I had a hard time saying if this but, is but the but take your point, to- like, I, I think everyone was expecting uh, a guy to just get in there and run around and be right, kind of right, like right. Johnny Manziel, but he wasn't, he, he could throw from the pocket, you know, he, he could, right. you know, roll out and throw on the run and find receivers. It wasn't just the typical, oh, here we go. Another being quarterback, so I, I certainly see the, the promise, and, and I, I feel the exact same way. With it. it's just going to be okay, you know, when the rubber meets the road, when the defense start making starts making adjustments, can he counteract? Can he counterpunch and, uh, and and be successful? What I learned um, over the, the past weekend is more of a general statement, not about one specific team, but just the league in general. And that is, you know, everyone talks about how much parity there is in the NFL. And that's what we like. There's parity. Each year, every team can win it. Yet in the opening week, you know, the the Raiders are still the Raiders. The Jaguars are still the Jaguars. The Browns are still the Browns, committing five turnovers. You know what I mean? And then the the good teams become, become apparent as well. Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears. Oh, Jay Cutler, the Bears are doing so good. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have his weapons. He doesn't look very good. Well, you know, come about the midway through the third quarter, 
he takes control of that game and, and shuts the door. You know, Tampa Bay, oh, it's the dawn of a new era, and we got Marcus Maria, you know, or excuse me, Jameis Winston, and all this and that, and they look terrible. You know what I mean? It's just right. it, that was one of my reactions because I spent all week here in Cincinnati talking about all oh, the Bengals really got to watch out for this open Raiders team, Jack Del Rio. They're starting something yeah. really special out there. And it's kind of the same teams. And I think it's still going to be the same six, maybe eight teams that are going to be in the final four this year. They're going to be in the championship games. And, you know, and as much as I love the Kansas City Chiefs, right now I, I can't picture Alex Smith playing in the AFC championship game. You know what I mean? And I love the Miami Dolphins. I think they're doing some good things. But I can't see – yeah, I can't see Ryan Tannehill playing in the AFC Championship game right now. So as much as the parity, think people think it's there. It's not as much there as, as a lot of as, as you, people want to admit to themselves. I still think it's going to come down to the same six eighteens, the Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers and the you know the Joe Flacco's and the you know and the Russell Wilsons. I, I still think um, it's a league where those those dominant quarterbacks are going to be the ones that that ultimately went out. Let's pause here for a second to acknowledge our sponsor. The first week of the football season's in the books. How'd your fantasy team do? Not so good? You know you can still go to FanDuel and win some cash this weekend. FanDuel's the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. The money's real. They're paying out on over $75 bucks a week this football season. And building a team's easy. All you got to do is just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. The best part? The entry fees are only a buck, a dollar, so anyone can play. I need you to go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use our code, FBF, and sign up now. Special offer now for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code, FBF, so don't forget to use our code, FBF. FanDuel.com where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today. I was a little skeptical. I don't know if that's the right word, but curious. It was one of my big outstanding questions to how San Diego was going to move the football in the absence of Antonio Gates. I mean, that relationship between those two guys has been so longstanding between Philip Rivers and Gates. And knowing he was going to be out and getting high on Keenan Allen two years ago and then feeling, especially for those of you out there who do fantasy football, getting burned by that guy from just being a roller coaster. He was there one day and completely gone the next. Uh, so just trying to figure out how they're going to move the football. Is Melvin Gordon going to be a big part of this? Is that the new place the offense will turn, more of a running game kind of thing until Gates gets back? Could, could Allen be relied upon full time? to be the old dude well then what's he do he goes out on opening day which actually might fit to the script of an up and down player but he has uh, a record 15 catches <laughs> so Keenan Allen just goes out and absolutely torches things and then the other side of the coin which uh, around, especially around here and he's a buddy and a, and a guy that New England fans know really well they relied really heavily for those sort of get out of jail plays from Danny Woodhead so that was the answer to that question. It was like, okay, is the face still there in Keenan? Is that a place where they can still feel like they can go if they're, you know, if they're in a bind? And yeah, and I, again, I thought it was a big question mark. I would have, I'm glad that in our lock segment that we do on FBF, I didn't pick that game because I think Detroit, you know, had sort of the paper look of, wow, you know, Amir Abdullah is there now and they've, 
Uh, Ebron's yeah, got another year in his belt. And all this, there were a lot of reasons to think, hey, maybe Detroit could could go out there, and especially with a, a slightly offensively depleted San Diego team. But to me, at, at, you know, at first blush, anyway, San Diego has plenty of stuff in the cabinet. Uh, yeah, the cabinet to still to still move the football. So that was exciting to see if you're a Chargers fan. Uh, a little less exciting to see if you're a Raiders fan and you're thinking that might have been one of the teams you could leapfrog as you're going to advance, and maybe that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely, no question. Um, and I guess, um, you know, for me, my other uh, thing that I that I learned this week is, is that uh, if the Broncos are going to go to the Super Bowl and win, they're going to have to, it's it's going to be the defense and the running game, and, and, and it's not going to be Peyton Manning the way he was in the early and middle and late 2000s. That's going to get him there. I, I just, you know, you, right. you know, this guy hardly played in the preseason, and and still just didn't look like there's much zip on his ball. And there's, no, I mean, he was never a guy that had a cannon of an arm, but I mean, the ball just kind of wobbles a little bit out there. And and I know right. people are saying, oh, he's still adjusting to the new system and this and that. Let, let me tell you something. Peyton Manning is his own offensive coordinator. Okay, he, he's running the plays. They're 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 you know they're running the plays that he calls okay no matter what the system is and I know Kubiak okay he's gonna run the ball a little more great it's still Peyton's gonna do what Peyton wants to do I mean he's earned that right and it's it's, it's granted him a lot of, of of success so I don't see that changing but I, I think it, it's not going to be a case where he can just go and just win these games and throw five touchdowns I I, I don't right. see that happen I, now I, I don't doubt that the Broncos can still get there. And I think Peyton Manning will certainly play better. But I just think uh, if, if you're even waiting for the Peyton Manning of two years ago, who was slinging the ball all over the place and throwing for 400 yards, I just don't think it's going to happen. The guy's 39 years old. He, he's had a bunch of injuries. My God, when it came out a couple of weeks ago that he can't, I mean, literally has no feeling in his hand. I mean, I mean, I, right. I'm not a quarterback, but it's got to be hard to throw the ball when you can't <laughs> feel it. So I just think yeah. that, uh, that that's one thing that, that became apparent to me. I, I expect Peyton Manning in the offense to play better next week, but I don't see it be a situation where this team is just going to light up the scoreboard and the defense is just going to be mediocre and they're going to outscore people every week. It's not going to happen. One of the unique things that happened in that game, Rock, that really was I, – I couldn't get over that – yeah, the zip's not there, and I think a lot of people, you know, the joke on Twitter was noodle arm or something along those lines, just sort of getting at him for not having sort of the velocity. Uh, maybe that's down some, but usually he's sort of able to overcome that with great decision-making. And one of the things yeah. that was – I don't have the stats in front of me, um, but well, maybe I could look them up here real quickly. But usually what was always so great about Manning is obviously that, that he made the great decisions, he'd make the nice throws. But the dude never took sacks, and having pass rushed him against him a handful of times, like the the frustrating thing is you'd always you'd feel like you get close. You'd feel like okay, I think I actually beat this tackle. I've got a little push. I'm right here. He's the dude that always, and sometimes for a completion, just knowing when to throw it away. But he he takes as few as sacks as any player in the league. Yet yesterday, and again, I might be I might be screwing this stat up. I I was under the impression that it was something like four sacks or something like that. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He took four sacks. He was, was four. Uh, That's a number. Okay. Yeah, 175 yeah, was, yards passing and took four sacks. That's very un Peyton Manning like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's again, you know, and you don't need finger, you know, you don't need touching your hand to to do that. You know, you just got to get rid of it and just take it, take a bite. So maybe he just had a bad day. I mean, maybe he comes back and 
and plays better later. But uh, that one certainly uh, kind of hit me by the broadside. Um, so next one I'm going to do is, and I, I don't know, again, I don't, I don't know what to make of this, but I, thir- I certainly do think I learned something. Uh, I relearned something. Let's put it that way. And we always try to tell this to people as a former player. Uh, th- there'll be a, a, a paper reality. There'll be a bunch of stats on, on the, that you can read up on. There'll be some historical stuff, uh, road records, things like that. But the thing that I relearned and forgot when I was sort of trying to look into these games and to see what would happen this weekend is that rivalry games, division games, are always tighter than everything else tells you they're going to be. So what I'm thinking about here is that Giants-Cowboys game last night. And it was – it was every indication was that that should have been a blowout. I mean, Dallas to me uh, – maybe I'm way off here, but Dallas to me just seems so much more talented. At almost every skill position, if you had a choice, their guy or our guy, you'd take the Cowboys guy. Uh, and that said, the Cowboys went on the road in big, big D, played them really tough. Uh, and it was a bit of a, a flub there, obviously, with uh, Eli Manning and that sort of last – clock management situation that, that kept them from potentially having a chance to win that thing. So uh, it's just the one, it's not really directed those particular two teams, but just something to remember as fans go throughout this season, especially in like fantasy pitch, fantasy football situations with, with FanDuel as one of our sponsors. We're, we're keeping an eyeball on that where mm, is it, is this guy the right play in this particular week? Because you know what? He usually blows up this kind of team, but you know what? It, it, it's Cleveland Sensi in Cleveland. Maybe it's a day where things kind of pull back or, you know what, uh, Steelers Ravens this week, uh, anything could happen. Even though one team is six and two and the other is three and whatever, five, it's, it's, it's division rivals again. So that was just the sort of relearning moment that even when crazy stuff is going down around the league and you've got all this other information that contradicts it, that thing handles a, a lot. And I, I don't know if mean, you have any personal experience rocking a team that was a particular you know, I don't bugaboo is the wrong word, but just something that was always a cross going through. Yeah, but quickly to your point, I, I think what because of – the reason that is these division games are played so tightly is, I mean, remember, you're you're playing a team twice a year, and you're playing them every year. And, you know, these coaches, right. you know, you're, you're – you know just the little tweaks and the little things that, that – you know, if you just face a team once every four years, you don't know that. You know, they're but that, they're always fresh in your mind, so you know the little weaknesses. Um, okay, the little strengths of this player and that player, and you know, okay, yeah, maybe Dallas's, um, you know, whatever wide receivers are better than our than our defensive backs. Well, we also know that if we go back four years ago, we remember that Tony Romo had trouble <laughs> right, when we right. did this. You know right. what I mean? So that that's what yeah. I mean, and that's the beauty of these division games is they are so tightly contested. I mean, to your point, when I was with the, you know, two years with the Colts there, we would most of the time would, we'd end up on the right side, you know, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? And the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't that good, but it was always a tough matchup. I never remember even with Peyton Manning in his heyday ever being in the fourth quarter with my helmet off, like, hey, we got this game. You know what I mean? It was always like they were going to play us really, really tough. Jack Del Rio was always a, a guy. He wanted to – you know, you knew you were going to get out of him. He was going to play physical. He was going to play all the way to the end. So, uh, again, I, I think it's those little – the knowledge and experience you have with those teams is what really makes those games exciting. Well, and, again, making that point, it, if you, you sort of scroll down the list of games this week, I think there's a lot of them that fall under that that should help people caution what they think is going to happen next week based on what they saw this first week. One thing, week one sloppy. In a lot of cases, teams 
just put a sloppy game out there. I've seen that happen so many times where everything settles in week two and it's it, never mind. Uh, we'll know a little more about them as, as the year advances. But two, to the divisional point we were just making, I mean, you look at uh, the Seattle, the Seattle St. Louis situation is probably a great example, example along those lines. Traveling to St. Louis is probably not as big a deal for most teams, but for whatever reason, St. Louis always plays Seattle tough, beat them there a year ago. Uh, they just know each other. Like you said, I mean, it's just, uh, it, I, I like that point just from being a, you know, a guy who loves the game of football and tries to help fans understand how important uh, the game plan aspect of it is. It's not, it's not matching rosters. It's not who, you know, signed the best free agent. It's game planning. And right. you're able to game plan the most when you know the team the most, you know, the little quirks and stuff that you just, just touched on. So I think that's a, that's, that's exciting. And that, but it also sucks if you gamble and it sucks if you do fantasy football, because it's a time where, you have to kind of pull back because really anything right. could happen. Well, well and, and then also just again, just quickly to add to that, I, you know, I, I talked to uh, a, a coordinator here with the Bengals, and, and he talked about to the, you know why it is so tough to beat teams twice. It's because okay, you go into it, you know, okay, all right. Well, last time we played, let's say the Browns, we did this. So then right. you, but then you go to yourself, well. What are they thinking? Are they thinking we're going to do the same thing, or are they think we're going to do something different? You know, it's really right. like you go in with a game plan of, okay, well, you know, we really we pressured their offense last time. We ran a bunch of zone blitzes, and that worked. And you go in with that game, same game plan. We got to know that Cleveland watched that tape, and they're going to do everything right. they can, max protect, you know, quick passes, whatever it is to counteract that, right? So it's always like, do we do the same game plan, or do we do a different game plan? And we try to outthink maybe what are they going to do? Are they going to do the same game plan but do it better? Or are they going to totally change it up? It's really a, a really a, a mind game kind of thing. But, again, it makes it exciting. Well, another thing, too, that, that comes up a lot is you'll, you'll have tape and you'll be game planning. You'll, you'll be watching how the, your last opponent beat these guys. And you'll be like, oh, okay, sounds great. That's what we'll do. And then you go look at your own personnel and go, but we can't pull that off. So right. it's mm -hmm. almost like you'll, you'll, you'll come from an entirely different angle. Not because you don't think that's the best way, but you don't think that you can do that. It just doesn't fit who you have on your roster or how you go about it. The other thing is, yeah, kind of your point. Like, it's just a do they know what I know, do they know what I know, what I know kind of thing where, yeah, well, they remember us doing that three times ago. What if we, we, you know, and again, sometimes you can put yourself in a pretzel by all that, but it does make it fun. And I think that's why, why the game is, is so interesting. Um, okay, I'll scan, I'll scan through here real quick and just some of the other big games, uh, just quick hitter points. I mean, obviously Green Bay, uh, again, kind of a sloppy game, but still figured out a way to win, and Green Bay is still Green Bay. Even the absence of Jordy Nelson, that team's going to be able to score points. 30 points on the road uh, in the division on week one, nothing but good signs there. Kansas City looked excellent. Uh, you know, again, same thing. We'll remeasure that in a few weeks and see where they're at. Carolina went down and won an ugly game in Jacksonville, but they were able to move the football. And again, uh, Cam Newton left the pocket. I think that's probably something people figure when Kel no more Kelvin Benjamin. Hey, Kel you know, Cam, go make plays. The, the, Jets, the danger, though, with them that they're going to find out is what they found out last year is when you ask Cam Newton to do more, to him doing more is doing what he's great at, which is running the ball. He's tough. He's physical. But then that's going to put him in harm's way. So without, you know, yes, he won't be as effective without yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, but I think he won't be as effective because he'll now be you know trying to be superman right that's his moniker right, right? Like he's 
Superman and win these games, but over the course of 16 games, man, he's going to take a lot of hits because he's putting more on his shoulders, and he's got to wonder, can he last? In December, can he play the way he did yesterday and the way he'll play next week? And it's, it's a, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Well, it's interesting that he chooses that moniker, too, because it's not like, you know, Superman didn't delegate. He didn't send out minions to go, you know, he wasn't a guy who was being the administrator. He doesn't, does it himself, right? I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure he picked that name early on in childhood, but yeah, it's something that might not be the same now. And, and think D'Angelo Williams is gone. Had that, had the great, nice game for Pittsburgh to start things off, but Jonathan Stewart's still there, but that's not like a, you know, the two headed back going to go run for 200 yards each week kind of thing. So it's a new makeup on that team. You're right. I think keeping an eye on his health <laughs> might be the biggest thing going down the line. Uh, the New York Jets look pretty good against Cleveland, but again, it's Cleveland. So again, you know, I think it, it, there's reason for hope up there. Brian Fitzpatrick looked relatively comfortable in that offense. Defense still played at the top level. Antonio Cromartie gets hurt. So maybe that's something. But uh, moving down the line here, Miami wins in Washington. Washington might end up being sort of the uh, the dirty bathtub of the NFL. I, I don't know where that's going to go. That's just my hot sports take there. But that's one thing. You know, there's so much turmoil in that organization and the pick and the general manager and Dan Snyder. Yeah. I mean, how can you yeah. win with that much tension? It's going to be tough. Yeah, and it seemed like they – you know what? I, I bought in. I mean, Jake Gruden, you know, I was like, oh, okay, they've, they've learned no lesson. There's no more Snyder sort of uh, being a finger on every decision. GM seems a little more independent now. Like, okay, they got it. And it's like it just regression to the mean. It's like right back to, to where things okay. always seem to be there in Washington. Uh, we already sort of touched on Detroit and San Diego. The Arizona was an interesting spot. I, I think, you know, I think it'll be easy to get lost in all of this, that St. Louis had sort of this, wow, coming out kind of party beating Seattle. That'll get people thinking about them in the West. Don't forget about Arizona. It's a really well-coached team, really smart, uh, and they got a quarterback again. Carson uh, Palmer, he played well yesterday. I think yeah. they are the, they're the sleeping dragon in the, in the, in the entire NFL. I don't know if it's because – you know, because they play out west and they, they're, you know, kind of not a, 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 an age-old kind of team. I think people forget right. about them, but they got a good squad. Yeah, and then just to finish up, I mean, we don't want to spend a lot of time on them because it, it, Tennessee, it's hard to get a read on them. But your old team, the Titans, Marcus Mariota, look, Marcus Mariota excuse me, looked exceptional. Kendall Wright had a nice game, uh, sort of a comeback year from him from two years ago. He was exceptional, and then last year, Seemed like a step back here. I had him on my fantasy team, uh, so I was happy about that here for FBF. <laughs> but, uh, no, any any quick takeaway thoughts on what you're expecting out of Tennessee? Or, or is it tough to get a read because, damn it, those bucks look terrible? Yeah, it, it's tough. But, um, you know, I, I kind of spent all offseason, okay, everyone, you know, there's two camps of people, right? Well, Winston's going to be better or Marcus Mariota. And I understood the – the cries of, okay, you know, Marcus Mario, he's never taken a snap from under center. And he's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a uh, system-based offense in college. I always thought the thing that, that helped, was going to help Marcus Mariota the most was he came from that Oregon system where everything was fast, right? Uh, we're, we're tempo, 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 not just in games, but in practice. I mean, they, they put that right. kind of stress and tension on themselves to play fast, make quick decisions, all day, every day. So, to me, when you think about a quarterback, one of the unsaid things that I think people overlook a lot is that a quarterback's ability to make split-second decisions. And Marcus Mariota has had, 
done that. Okay, yeah, he hasn't played in a pro-style offense, whatever. But he has had nothing but practice every day of making split-second decisions, where to go with the ball. It's got to go here. It's got to go there. And I thought that would help him. And, again, it's only one game, but you saw those quick decisions. You didn't see him look like a guy who was lost and couldn't read defenses and didn't know where the open – your receivers were, boom, he, he was very aware. And I think that, that stress of him having to yeah, having to make those quick decisions all the time really helped him. Transition now in here to sort of like a final segment that we're going to do, and it, it's, it's basically our unanswered questions. Unanswered questions. I really, really, really want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know. I want to know. Okay, I'm going to tell you. So every week we're going to do our, our best to look back and talk about what we learned, but then we want to look forward and say, you know what, still not sure about this, and this weekend's games will hopefully uh, take us a step closer to knowing. Uh, the thing that for me that stands out as an unanswered question from a week ago is really the Miami Dolphins. And, and again, it's not to, to sort of denigrate the win that they had in Washington anytime you win on the road. Uh, you know, by, a full, by a full touchdown in the NFL that's a big thing, especially on opening day, because the other team's been spending months and months and months preparing for just specifically you. So the one on the road, it's something. So, you know, it's, I'm not going to take that away from them. But they only put up 17 points. Uh, and and I, I was of the mind that that can still be a very explosive offense, inevitably. You know, but there is, there's been a bunch of turnover, so I kind of want to give Miami a break in regards to that. And Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, uh, Landry being the new guy, and actually had a, a big play in special teams that helped put some of those points up on the board. Um, the absence of Charles Clay, which which is not a small thing, but uh, I always screw this up. Is it Cord- Is it Cameron Jordan or Jordan Cameron? <laughs> It's it's Cameron Jordan. Jordan Cameron's the, <laughs> the yeah, guy for the Saints. I would I do it every time. I <laughs> can't remember. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so but the point is they've got you know they've got I think as exciting of skill players as I've seen them have in a while. I mean it used to be you'd have like the 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 over the top guy Mike Wallace and then the dependable intermediate and they could still win outside guy and Brian Hardline some backs who were good but not great you know but just the the excitement factor was never really there with Miami they would just kind of meticulously move the ball down the field they'd spread you out Tannehill would do some positive things and the defense would play pretty good I think they still have the ability just based on the paper reality uh, of uh, and the way some of these guys looked in individual drills and team drills and and preseason games to be a pretty explosive offense. You didn't get to see that on week one. So next weekend, uh, we get to learn a little more about the Dolphins. And I think, I think I'm willing, more than willing to give those guys into October to let themselves figure themselves out because you're basically different at several skill positions. Uh, and they still will have some offensive line issues that aren't completely resolved. And I think that was one of the big goals in the offseason to shore that up, upgrade in the secondary. Obviously, add Sue, and we all know that, and that's a big uh, uh, atomic bomb in the middle of the roster as far as uh, – cash-wise, but uh, I still think the the unanswered question there for me is that Miami offense. They're going to be more than that, I presume, but I, I can't yet say they are. Yeah, I mean, just to that point quickly, uh, you know, Tannehill is kind of like Andy Dalton in that, look, look you know, he, Tannehill's a quarterback that he's not going to all of a sudden overnight develop into Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to overnight develop into Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he is what he is, and he's a very capable quarterback, probably middle-of-the-pack guy. The key for him, just like Dalton and any of those middle-of-the-pack guys, is limiting his mistakes. You know, he's got a good roster. He's got some folks around him. The defense is going to be much better with Sue. It's just that, you know, can Tannehill keep his interceptions – 
you know, at you know, under 15 or under 12. You know what I mean? I, I think that's right. going to be uh, the, the key for Miami. Um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, my unanswered questions or I guess a, a question I still have is, first of all, for me, the biggest one was, where are the Indianapolis Colts? You know, I mean, this is a team that went to the AFC championship game last year. They go into free agency. They add Frank Gore. They add Andre Johnson in the draft. They go get Philip Dorsett. Um, they add Trent Cole on defense. They add Todd Harriman's. And they looked like a team that was lost yesterday, Matt. I mean, yeah. Gore, they only gave him the ball eight times. Philip Dorsett for a first-round pick. I know he's a rookie and he's young. I mean, was was missing. Andre Johnson finally looks like he's 34 years old and not can't get open the way he used to. And I don't know. So that, and I, I just wonder if, you know, we talked about the Redskins and their dysfunction. There's some dysfunction going in Indianapolis. You know, I, I pay attention to what's going on down there and the whole deal of Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson, the uh, the GM, and then maybe Pagano's on his way out and this and that. I, I just wonder if that's, you know, metastasizing a little bit. And people are feeling that pressure because that team right. – for all the explosive players they have and all the the good additions they made, that team looked bad yesterday. Again, I know it's one game, but I just wonder if given all that plus the, the tension in there, is this a team that's going to unfold this year? I think that's a fair point. I think it really broadsided a lot of people out there that just presumed Indy. I mean, even Vegas, which to me, it always makes me wonder to be – completely transparent here and to plug for FBF. It's why we do FBF locks every Saturday before Sunday. Cause we want you people to check out our picks. Uh, we've been, I've been using the same system for the last several years. I think uh, studying matchups and game plan and scheme is a much better way to get there than, than just simply doing statistical historical stuff and team rankings and offensive defensive rankings and turnover stuff and all that. I think you can look deeper, but I think one of the, I think the Colts are one of those teams that even Vegas had them as I think the second odds on favorite as a Super Bowl contender. And I yeah, just don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I mean, the defense is largely unchanged. You mentioned Trent Cole, but the rest of it's about the same. They're, they're presumably going to get Robert Mathis back at some point off the Achilles, but he's not there yet. So other than that, I mean, uh, they, they're just that's, – that's, that's, not, that's not only not a championship defense. I mean, right now it looks like a bad one. But, again, not to overreact. So, again, I'm not making that just off of yesterday, not at all. I think it's, it's what we saw a lot through the end of last season, and presumably they're, they're the, same -ish, the same ish group. They even lost uh, Arthur Love, right? Or not Arthur Love. What's his name? Uh, uh, Jones. Arthur uh, Jones. Jones? Yeah. yeah did Jones. He, he went down for the season, and he was one of their better interior defensive linemen. So, it's, uh, it is what it is. So, I, I, don't, I, I definitely think they'll fall under the unanswered questions. And, and I know he's everyone's darling. I like him a lot. I don't go so far as to say I love him. I, I think people are a step ahead of where Andrew Luck is, is. I mean, I think they're ready to put him right up there against an Aaron Rodgers or, or Tom Brady. I don't think that's even close. He had some he had some ragged play yesterday. I, he really did. And there were moments, yes, where they got into pressure situations. You could see him having struggles with throws under pressure. But there were other times where they were in pressure because he missed on balls. So I can't completely let him off the hook on that. I still think he's very good. I think because of the stats he accumulates, people elevate him to a – a rarefied error that I just am not buying yet, but I it just take that special something that doesn't have to do with just how good the throw is that, that makes Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Peyton as of a couple of years ago, that, that kind of special player, you got to put it together week after week after week. And I think there's, there's some Rocky play in, in Luxor. And again, full disclosure, he's on my fantasy team. So. <laughs> <laughs> he 
You must believe in him a little bit. <laughs> exactly. I've given him all the leeway in the world, and actually, uh, so is T.Y. Hilton, but you don't want to hear about my uh, my fantasy team all day. This is my first time at this, so I'm, I'm one week in, and I'm completely hooked. So. All right, Rock. That's all we got today, man. Thanks so much for the awesome stuff, and uh, have a great week. Sounds good, brother. We'll do it again soon. Thanks. All right, see you. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from guys like Rock, myself, make sure you check out footballbyfootball.com. Check out our Facebook page and also give us a follow on Twitter at FBBYF. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.